1 Corinthians 10, 13. Uh, please stand for the reading of God's word. From the NIV. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Please be seated. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jason. I don't know if you knew, we added a new staff member this week, Jason Klutz. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> He's got more than enough to do, but grateful for his willingness and his flexibility this morning. Well, following Jesus is the only way to love God and to love all people. It's the only way. Jesus also states that following him will be the only way we see and are, are able to see and be with the Father one day. Did you know that? It's following him. Well, following, if you haven't figured this out and you're new to this whole thing about Jesus, the Bible, the church, uh, community, in the way of Jesus, is not easy. Is not easy. Salvation is free. We are saved by grace and grace alone, an unmerited gift given to each one who says yes to Jesus. But following, following though, it's just not that easy. In fact, most things, as many of us have probably uh, come to find out, um, most things that result in, uh, in some amount of expended energy that may be even uncomfortable at points... Uh, in moments of our lives are often the result of the direction we want to go and end up and probably the destiny that we want to desire. So in another way, it's football season, cross country, all that. No pain, no gain. Got it? I mean, it's simple as that in following Jesus in some ways. And part of it is that decisions uh, are a part of that. Decisions impact our lives in powerful, powerful ways. Drugs and alcohol. I don't think anybody starts out with sampling drugs and alcohol as a desire to be addicted or abuse them and to wreck their lives. I don't think anybody does. I don't care who it is. Financial stress and even bankruptcy. I don't know if anybody ever plans to end up in, in, uh, in, in that situation. Uh, pornography. Some people will tell you they'll like it, and if they're honest, they'll tell you that. But I'm not sure anybody wants to see the result of porn ending up in a wrecked marriage or a wrecked life or people who just don't want to be around them. I mean, it's just as simple as that. And betraying the loves around you. I mean, there are so many decisions we make in our lives, and they don't start out, my point is they don't start out with this desire to, to wreck it, right? We just start to move slowly and incrementally in a, in a way, in a fashion that is destructive. So as we said last week, uh, in, this, in this message, we're in a message series called Predecide Today's Overcoming Temptation what we said last week is this, quality, the quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. 
The quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. Many of, us, many of us have good intentions, yet we struggle with being good decision makers. The concept of pre-deciding is so powerful in light of this truth about ourselves. I mean, seriously, before we're in a situation, if we pre-decide how we're going to respond to it, we're much healthier off. When we wait and we're in the situation, the temptation in the situation is often way too strong. Yep, Scripture says that God will show you a way out, but to show you the way out may be pre-deciding, if I may say, that our emotions take over and we allow ourselves to go with the flow of the temptation. So as we move into this new season, uh, school started, it's a new season for us, and in church world, it's kind of a new season, if you will, of fruitfulness for the glory of God and his kingdom, we are deciding who we're going to be. We're going to decide who we're going to be. We're pre-deciding who we are, because we know when we know who we are, we'll know what to do, because we're, we'll be ready to do it. We'll be ready to do it. So a few statements that we walked through last week. I want you to join me in this, kind of like responsive reading, eh? So um, can you say it with me? I am ready. I am consistent. I am devoted. I am generous. I am faithful. I am a finisher. You know, it's amazing what happens when we start to claim and state out loud Stuff that we need to transform ourselves into. It actually does move on us. When we just say it in our heads, it just stays out there. But when we say it out loud, even into a mirror to ourselves, it is an incredible movement that happens within us. When we are pre-decide, our decisions won't be based on what feels good in the moment, but on what, what you want to be and to be about for the rest of your life. They're based on values. Because when our values are clear... Our decisions are easier. Paul states in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, he says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Almost sounds like the words from Joshua, right? But Paul tells us in these words to have our guard up. That we're supposed to be alert. We're supposed to be standing in the truth of his word and be courageous to live and love in the way of Jesus. And Jesus told his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember these words, maybe? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Why did he tell them this? Well, he fills it in. Because your spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. These were people who had Jesus with them, and yet they were susceptible and fell prey to the flesh. A couple of good reasons. Watch and pray. A couple of very good tools to help us be on guard. Why would we need this? Let me tell you what scripture says. You already know it, maybe. But if you don't, the devil, the accuser, is coming for you. He's coming for you. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, he's coming for you. Jesus stated in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want to be your friend. He wants to tear you apart, limb by limb, piece by piece, part by part. Now listen... We have, to, we have to take these words to heart. Not halfway. He only comes because he knows we're weak. We're vulnerable. That's why we're going to pre-decide. 
He knows how to attack you, to take you out of God's will, out of God's way. He wants to hurt you, and guess what? He wants to hurt all the people around you at the same time. So we're going to be ready because we know the devil is coming for us, for you, for me. The other one you may not like so much, and this may rub against your pride, you're not as strong as you think. No one is. You're just not as strong as you think. We tend to think we can handle it. I can, I can do this. Uh, we're Americans, for heaven's sakes. Come on, right? Yet scripture is clear. If you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Uh, and that's repeated over and over in scripture. We may be tempted to go it alone and do what we can on our own, that those who are thinking they're strong, may, may, a fall may happen. A fall may happen. Be careful, Paul states. Be careful not to fall. Why is it that we often end up in a place we don't want to be? Why is it we end there? Uh, because, we, because we make decisions that don't honor God. It's as simple as that. Studies show that people vastly overestimate their ability to resist temptation. Resist temptation. We think we're way stronger than we really are. And techno, the technical term for it, guess you would think that they would have one of these, right? It's called restraint bias. It's restraint bias. You think we can fight. Uh, we, you and I think we can fight off more than we can truly fight off. And that's, that's why when they bring in the chocolate cake into the office, right? And you think you can walk by that thing. Well, you can do it the first time. And maybe the second time. But by the time you hit it the third time, that smell is so delectable that you succumb. That's, why, that's what happens. Because we overestimate our ability to fight off the things that we don't need or don't want or God has told us to let, leave them alone. And one of the reasons, you know this already, we've talked about it in the past, one of the reasons is we have no idea how much energy it actually takes to resist temptation. We just really don't really realize this. Fighting off temptation drains us. Spiritually, we become fatigued. It's just a normal process. It's not that we're weak Christians. It's just that we, we live a life and we become weak in the process. Mentally, we become weak or fatigued. Uh, the, our part of our brain that controls willpower, uh, well, it just simply wears out. And that's the very reason that why you work with anybody uh, or a group of people or in a workplace that's kind of crazy making, you know, you, you can kind of, kind of survive it for a little while. But by the time you reach home, your willpower is so depleted that that's why when something goes, like the faucet sprays at you, you yell at it and yell at everybody like, who broke this? Right? Never done that, have you? No. Right? Or you, or you, you know, you, you binge eat. It's like when you walk through the door, you realize that this emotional fatigue, and if you didn't know this, this sometimes this happens to us. The emotional fatigue of the day wears on us, and we don't yell at our spouse, but instead we harm ourselves by eating, overeating right before a meal probably, right? I mean, I've done it way too many times. I've done it way too many times. Our willpower just begins to decline our self-control begins to decline because it is truly a limited resource. 
It's, never, it's not a never-ending well. The more we use it, the less we'll have, and it has, it has to recover. It's almost like your batteries, right? You plug in your phone. You have to plug it back in, and we need to understand the devil's coming for us and some of the schemes that he uses. So today, we're going to pre-decide to be ready, ready, and today I want to share with you three keys to fighting, to fighting temptation. I'm going to, going to pre-decide three things. What are they? What are they going to be? I'm going to just say them. You don't have to go to the slides there, Jeff. But the first one is we're going to pre-decide to move the line. I'll tell you what that is in a second. We're going to pre-decide to magnify the cost, and we're going to pre-decide to plan your escape. Plan your escape. Number one, we're going to pre-decide to move the line. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. This morning, we had a little reminder of this as we were getting around together as a worship team and as a team here, that, uh, that, that has a lot to do with our anxiousness about life, but it also has to do with how we just seek life, period. So, I know you can't see this, but I'm going to put it, I don't think you can all see it, I should say that, I don't know. Um, so, let's say, uh, wide is the way, right? That this side is the, the righteous side. You guys feel good about that? <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Right? That side is the sinful side. And you know what many of us do? Until we learn. We like to stand right here. Oh, 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 oh. We like to stand right on the edge. We like to just... I'm not, my feet are back, right? We like to lean in to what potentially is a no. I'm going to tell you that the best way to live, the, the way to have abundant life, the way to have fulfillment in your life, the way God has intended, is we're going to move the line. So that's the line, right? And I know, You'll, we'll get to it. Some of you are already like, are you kidding me? We're going to move the line. Because we know where the line is. Scripture's very clear where the line is in, in most areas of behavior in Scripture. We're going to move the line back. We're going to move the line back. Because we don't want to go there. We just don't ever want to be on that side of the line. Excuse me here. So it's dangerous to be on this side of the line. But then what do we do? Most of us just kind of lean in, kind of like, I know what the 10 say, but eh, right? So dating is a great example. It's not the only example. We'll get to a few others. We tend to play the line of, of the inappropriate until it, we are inappropriate. We tend to play the line of inappropriate to the line of inappropriate until we realize we've crossed the line of inappropriate. The acts of the flesh, Galatians 5 say, are are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Uh, we are to honor, our, honor the Lord with our bodies. Uh, for those of you who are married, with our eyes and our bodies. I mean, all of it. Uh, we, we're to wait, to play, to, uh, wait to, uh, to play marriage until we are married. Now, folks... 
not a prude. I'm not a prude by any sense. And neither is God. This is the crazy thing. He gives us these expectations and wants us to live within them to, to fulfill the very great desires we have in us. Now, oftentimes we step over the line for various reasons because we're afraid is the bottom line. We're afraid. We're afraid somebody's not going to love us. Not, somebody's not going to take us. Not, somebody's not going to see us. But when we know who we are and who he is and how he has loved us, we don't have to play those games with the rest of the world. I mean, God created sex and the pleasure of it. He just did. So I, I enjoy asking couples that are, when they're either in premarital, premarital uh, uh, counseling or, you know, they're dating and I know them well enough. I'm like, so, hey, tell me, what attracted you to each other? What attracted you to each other? And it's amazing. Young man will go, well, she's so sweet and she brings out the best of me and loves me and and, you know, respects me, and those are all great and beautiful. And I'll look at the young lady, and she'll say, yeah, he, he treats me like a woman and loves me and cares for me. And then I just lean in a little bit. I'm like, so you guys aren't physically attracted to each other? As if there's, as if I'm too old to understand. <laughs> or there's just something dirty about that attraction. I mean, this is the real life, right? And God made us to be attracted to, <laughs> to our spouses, to our, the ones we are going to be married to. I mean, to each other. I mean, it's just the way it is. But he didn't ask us to step over the line. He asked us to be honest with ourselves, our fears and our desires, and give them to him. So we ask, I say, move the line. Because... We know there's a spiritual enemy coming for us. There's a spiritual enemy coming, and, you know, he, he wants to take us out, chink by chink, little by little. So those of us who are married, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand at this point, who maybe stepped over this line before you got married, you know what he does to us and what he has done to many of us? He goes, you know what? You can't talk to your kids about having premarital sex. You, you, you don't have any right to stand in that ground. He begins to lie to you as parents. He begins to tell you the untruth because you did, and so you then lead in a way that is disobedient to the scripture you want your kids to live toward. Let me just say, that's just one of many it's just one of many. It's not the only. So how does this play out? How do we move the line? Dating, we choose never to be alone or isolated. We choose never to be alone or isolated. We could go into these deeply, but I'm not going to. How about spending? I picked on dating and sex for long enough. But how about those of us who are Americans who love Amazon? I mean, the rest of the world does too, but uh, love Amazon. I mean... Just a click, and it's there. It's, man, it's, it's addictive. It's not, if not just abusive a little bit. 
And what if we have a little bit of problem there? What do we do? How do we move the line there? Well, give somebody else your password. You have to reach out every time to get the, you know, let them have your password. Let them see what's going on in your account. Let them ask you the questions that, well, that maybe others can't. Social media, you realize you waste time and you then start to play the comparison game that moves into envy and then moves into anger, that moves into bitterness. That, I mean, it's a, just a, it's a non-ending cycle there. And you don't, maybe you don't want to be off social media altogether, and I understand that. So limit yourself to 30 minutes. Give yourself a timer. You know, set yourself, uh, set yourself up for some success in that area. And to get to that point, um, and there are actually a lot of non-Christians who are on this bandwagon, if you didn't know that. Maybe you just need to give it up altogether for a while because it's been so, uh, you know, it, it just is moving in your life in ways that is unhealthy and ungodly. I know, because I've been there. Some of you are saying in your head, are you kidding me? It's so restricted. I mean, you don't even want me to have a life. Um, you know, it doesn't even seem like fun at all. You've got rules and restrictions. I love what David says. And some of us come to this a little bit later after making a few of these stepovers creating, a, you know, moving the boundary line or moving our boundary line into sin. He says this in Psalm 16, 6, the one who did sin. <laughs> the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Now, I think there's a key there. Uh, David, David realizes it's beyond the moment that he's living, that there's something he's hoping and desiring for. And he lives into the inheritance that God wants to give him. Not just in the future, but the inheritance that starts this very moment. Especially in Jesus Christ. I think that's incredibly freeing. It's not limiting, it's freeing. And so we're going to move the line to overcome temptation. Number two, we're going to magnify the cost. Anytime we're given in, attempted to give in to temptation, there is always a risk. Always a risk doesn't matter what it is. When you're tempted, pre-decide to stop and ask yourself, what could ultimately go wrong if I do this? If I walk through with this? What's the worst case scenario? And I know that sent some of your, some of your anxiety through the roof right now. Don't mean to do that. But we tend to have anxiety about the things that don't matter and not the things that do matter. Now, worry about the things that don't matter. Maybe you need to worry, pray <laughs> about the things that do matter. And this is the very reason. Because we know, uh, we know, may know our own proclivities, our own temptations, but we also know that Satan's going to use those very things to trip us up. When we get close, we have to decide before we even get there that I'm not going to do this. No, absolutely not. What's the worst thing that could happen? In some cases, we could lose our reputation. And as, as many of you know, in my vocation, some lose their ministry, lose their integrity, lose their jobs, lose their wives, lose their kids. 
I mean, it's all comes together. I don't know if you've ever had this verse uh, spoken to you or you've heard it or read it. Numbers 32, 23 says, but if you do this, you will be sinning against the Lord and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Now, if you think that's punitive uh, on, the, on behalf of the Lord, uh, that is the natural course of events it's just a natural consequences to when we do things, when we do things good, they find, they find their way and be blessings. When we do things that are uh, in the kingdom realm, when they do things that are uh, negative or a curse, if you will, they will be found out in our lives in some way, shape, or form. It's interesting. It's kind of like, on a lighter note, if you will, used to have this uh, student in my youth ministry. He was a pretty good runner. Loved basketball, but pretty good cross-country runner. And we would go to his, his cross-country meets, and I'd be standing with his parents, and he would start like a jackrabbit, I mean really fast, and then as the time went on, he would slow down, which is not an issue. You want negative splits going the other way. You know, they worked on that. But his dad would say, cut right to the chase, hey, Chris, What'd you have for lunch? French fries? I mean, so you're thinking, well, that's not all that bad. Well, it's terrible if you want to win. It's not the food that fuels you to the end. And the point is, is the same way in our, in our spiritual lives. It, it, you know, we think it's just a little bit, and it won't matter. So anybody that backpacks or camps, or, you know, maybe even uh, does some solo, whatever it may be, you tend to think in this idea. You tend to magnify the cost because you want to consider all the scenarios that would go wrong so that you are prepared in case of an emergency. Do you have the right rope? Um, it didn't take too long when we were taking some kayaking trips uh, early in my ministry to realize we needed a throw rope because I've seen a kayak bend around a rock and no amount of, uh, you know, we needed a, no amount of us going into the water and pulling that out would get it there. We need to have leverage on, on the shore with a throw rope that was tied inside that kayak to be able to pull it out. And usually about four or five guys, pretty hefty guys. I mean, you, you just prepare for all of these scenarios. It's the same with our own lives. And yet we tend to be, hmm, Flippant, if I may say. Even I am flippant often. So we magnify the cost, whatever it is. Vows, you betray your vows as a husband or wife. As we've already gone through, you could lose your reputation, wife, family, job. I mean, everything just starts to kind of erode and slip away. How about another one? You know, I'm just going to borrow from my employer. They have enough in their pot, and I'll replace it with the next check. You wonder how embezzlement starts? I don't think that most people think that they're going to borrow as much as they do often. Some people probably do. But I think it starts with my family's short. They have a lot, so I'm going to borrow. That's the term they use in their head when actually they're stealing. And it just moves into this cataclysmic thing where they end up in court and sometimes in prison. It's small. 
seemingly inconsequential, so magnify the cost. Overcoming temptation, we're going to plan our escape. We're going to plan our escape, and you're thinking, well, if you do all this pre-deciding, you won't have to plan your escape. Well, we pray that that is the case, but not always is that the case. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. So here Joseph is. He's been sold into slavery by his brothers. He's not even living near his home or near his people. And think how easy it would have been for Joseph to go, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm not near my family. I'm not, I don't have anything to lose. I might have everything to gain, potentially. I may have everything to lose, too. But, you know, he could have let himself give himself up to the temptation that was right before him and Potiphar's wife. And I wonder, I wonder if, if there are times when we find ourselves in a similar situation. We're just, we're just dissatisfied with the way the Lord's taking care of us. We, we, things aren't going way like we want, so we, we just, eh. We use our disappointments to justify disobedience. Let me just recommend, don't use your disappointments to justify disobedience. Don't do this. The situation's not meeting my needs, so I'm going to do what I want to do in the moment. Joseph had to have pre-decided that he was going to honor God. She came in, came in and he faithfully resisted her, said, no deal is going to happen. You know, I, I, I would be dishonoring your house and my Lord. And so what did he do? He left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He ran out of the house. Now, we know the story. Potiphar was mad, threw him in prison. But Joseph's mind was clear. It doesn't mean that all things are going to be happening that's good. But Joseph's mind was clear, and God was able to then use him even beyond. I mean, this is, I'm sure that Potiphar's wife hit on him day after day. This is probably just the final straw. So he pre-decided, and so we are going to pre-decide. We are going to choose ahead of time. The devil is going to attack, and I am not as strong as I think. So I predetermined to move the line. I predecided to magnify the cost, and I predecided that if she grabs my coat, I'm out the door. It's just the way it works. I planned my escape because no one, no one here, none of us, no one you know, I know, they may have, but they didn't plan on it, plans to mess up their life. But people do. They do all the time. They, they don't plan for it. It's because we're just, as, we're, we're not as strong as they think. We're more vulnerable than we would ever admit to anyone. Or maybe should we? Hmm. So how does your spirit, how does your spiritual enemy attack you? You see, I know how he attacks me, but do you know how he attacks you? Where does he come in? Is it in your pride? Do you think you're better than? Stronger than? Do you find yourself compromising financially because you put your security in the things around you 
which is really quite easy. Do you sometimes make your, do you lie to make yourself look better than you are? Do you gossip about, about people because you want to make them look bad? Do you judge others unnecessarily? Are you overly critical? I mean, do you see how this kind of just subtly sneaks in and starts to take over our hearts and our minds? You see yourself taking God for granted, not passionate about the things of the kingdom or Jesus, or the word, but find yourself compromising around friends. You're one person at church and you're somebody else around other people. We're going to predecide because we want to be ready. We want to be ready because there is an enemy that is coming for us. So we're predeciding we're going to be ready. We're going to put distance between ourselves and the temptations we know that are tempting to us already because we know we're not that strong and we're going to decide ahead of time how to stay out of trouble when the devil attacks. So let me just tell you some of the ways that are, are normal to all of us, I think, that are follow the word, that we, that we help to do this. Uh, probably like you, um, I pray that you're in the word, and you're in the word daily. I'm not always in the word daily, I'll admit, but I'm there most, the, most days, just ask. Pray, we're going to pray, right? But can I just offer you one that we talked about in the announcements earlier, that oftentimes we sideline. And that is a community of followers, a community of friends who know us, and not just know us on the surface, but know us well enough to ask the hard questions and to um, move it into a line of questioning where we, they can ask, have you moved the line? Did you magnify the cost, and do you have an pl escape plan? I have uh, two other friends who I'm in a uh, discipleship band with, and I meet with these mates uh, every week, and they ask me these five questions. Uh, they're not on the board, but I'll give them to you verbally. Some of you are familiar with them. How is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? So what are they asking? They're asking, how is not just my soul, but how's my body and my mind, my whole being? Uh, you know, there are some days that I'm, I'm, I'm joyful and I'm, I'm well and I'm healthy. I mean, we talk about working out, eating, we talk about all of these th different things that sometimes are tripping us up in different seasons. We're not just talking about, you know, my conscience is clear, but there are ways that we want to live that uh, we challenge each other when uh, we ask this question, what are our struggles and successes? Because the Lord helps us, but we also know that there are some struggles in our lives and we we're able to kind of ply into that. And from week to week, we know what's going on. And so we listen to each other. We ask, how might the Spirit and Scriptures be speaking in your life? How are they, how are they speaking? And we need to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. And we, we, we read the Word. And even when the Word seems a little dry to us, we admit that it's, like, it's, not, it's, it's just not as rich as it once was a few months ago or a week ago. And then we know how to pray in. And then to go deeper, if you will, we ask this, do you have any sin that you want to confess? 
And I get it. This question is just a formidable question because it, it admits that you failed in some places, but guess what? We have. We all have. And so to step into it is not, not a chink, but a, a loving gesture on their part to listen to the confession from me and to allow me their support and their encouragement in that. And number five, are there any secrets hidden that you would like to share? You see, there's a difference between sometimes uh, confession, sins, omission, by omission or commission, by uh, doing them on purpose or doing them accidentally. We do that all, both of those. But there's also some secrets that sometimes keep us bound. Um, In Rooted, which Rick and Sharma Travis are leading through, there's a chapter that talks about strongholds in that series, which is great great series on some basic fundamental uh, living in in Christ and with Christ healthy and successfully. But one of them has to do with strongholds. And strongholds can be around sin, but they can also be about secrets that we tend to hold on to and not reveal to somebody that we trust or somebody's that we trust in order for them to know us. And so a lot of times, as uh, individuals, we tend to hold on to secrets, and we, may, we have sins too, and they become a place that the evil one likes to play with. He likes to mess with our minds, our, our very temptations he, that he may be leading in. I would say, for this idea of overcoming temptation, that these three tools that I've given you shouldn't be done in isolation, but they should be done and in full view of community. That you tell somebody, not just one other person, a couple of other people, so they know. Well, one's maybe not able to respond to you and you need a phone call or need a prayer, the other one can. So what do we do? Next steps. I want to read this verse again. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. I I, I love that. (laughs) You need to hear that. Paul's being very clear. What you think is unusual or just distinctive to you, guess what? It's not. There are others who have the same experience and need the same help. It says God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. It may not feel like it, especially if you've succumbed to it, but he will. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And my suggestion is the way out is to move the line, magnify the cost, plan your escape, and on top of prayer, the word, be involved in a community that knows you, maybe even better than you know yourself sometimes. And that's happened to me in, this, in my discipleship band. They'll ask questions that I'm not even dealing with, and they'll, ask, they'll, they'll be able to ask me the question. So what leads us all into this? Well, this. Why would I resist the temptation in the future that I have the power to eliminate today? 
Why would I do that? I mean, when we, pre, when we use the power of pre-deciding, we have the ability to eliminate what may come in the future and avoid it. This is one of the ways out that the Lord gives to us. So we're going to move the line, magnify the cost, and plan the escape. And as I've said, I believe community, a community that's intimate, is key to this. So, are you? Are you in a community where you can be real? Or grow into the realness you know about yourself with others? I mean, that's the truth. It takes time. And I get it. It's a commitment. But it is so crucial to live in the abundance of the life that Jesus desires to give each one of us and has in store for you. We need the cross, the resurrection, the word, the Holy Spirit, community. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I I thank you that you have given us a way out. That we don't have to stand under the under the deception of the devil and his ways alone or without tools and without the power of the Holy Spirit. Yet, Lord, just like salvation is free to everyone, but one must choose to follow and live. Lord, I ask that, Father, you would lead us into living for you and with you. Lord, for those who are struggling in areas of their life this morning that may be out of control, may they sense and know that there's hope and there's help. There's love and there's encouragement. There are people here who understand and know sin intimately, but also know the way out. So Father, liberate us from our isolation. Liberate us from our privatized faith into the community so that we can live a robust life with you and do it together. Friends, maybe this is the kind of life you've been looking for. You desire a life that, uh, that you're loved and cared for even in the midst of the decisions you've made, the, maybe what you would characterize as a mess. I don't know. But Jesus is that one. In fact, he welcomed, uh, he welcomed those who were far from him, who had made decisions contrary that were contrary to being God-honoring. If, if you desire to know the love and mercy and grace in Jesus, pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me from my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow, love, and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.